0: Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number two thousand and ninety-eight. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah,
1: where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in,
0: sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah, Chadam. Well, just about an hour north of where I live, I'm in Bainbridge Island, Washington, with a very special returning guest here on Cars Yeah, Rafi Manazian. Rafi, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready to go, Mark. we are have some fun here. Well, before we get started... Yeah, I wanted to remind the listeners that you were an early guest here on Cars. Yeah, you were very kind. I think I'm trying to remember when we met. It was maybe on the lawn at Pebble Beach or somebody referred you to me. But you were guest number 280 back in 2015, June of 2015. So, you know, we're uh, a few years later now, June of 2022, and you're guest number 2,000 ninety-eight, And I would love for you to share one little thing before I give you an introduction and we dive into your world. One little thing that maybe people might not know about you, Rafi.
1: Oh, well, uh, one little thing might be that uh, I earned my way through college as a professional bluegrass fiddler.
0: Whoa, okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I still play. Uh, I play occasionally with a couple of different bands, and music has always been one of those things that I really enjoy going to because it's very different from the other work that I do, and uh, I've met so many great people playing music in a wide range of venues.
0: Cool. I've had... I've had a good number of people that answer that question the same way. Some that started as professional musicians, a couple that were in bands and really kind of on the cusp of almost making it big time and just couldn't quite get there in in time. And maybe they had, you know, they got married and have a child and had to get what they call a real job so they could pay the rent, uh, a real gig or something. But, um, I think there's a correlation here to people who love cars and music, and then you get into people who love art, and, of course, you're a designer. Yeah. so It all kind of ties together a little bit, right?
1: It sure does. And, you know, basically what the, the overlap is, because I find a lot of similarities with uh, music and cars, they're both transportation devices. Music takes you another place. Ah, um, it's yeah. a, certainly it's a mindset, of course, but uh, I've always viewed uh, my violin or my fiddle as, as a way to transport me into another sort of way of being. Cool. Yeah.
0: I love it. Well, there you go. Well, let me give you a proper introduction here. We'll talk a little bit about your career and your path and also about something that you and I just did together that was quite exciting. Rafi Manazian is a designer, professor, and automotive journalist specializing in the dynamic convergence of design and culture. He also plays the fiddle, as you just heard. He's a frequent speaker and panelist for automotive-themed conferences, a Concours Elegance judge, and vintage sports car enthusiast. Over the past 30 years, Rafi has designed and built several award-winning show cars, hundreds of scale model cars, thousands of automotive accessories, and worked in partnership with a wide range of fabrication studios, building custom cars, hot rods, and advising on Concours restoration Projects as part of his work in the vintage car industry, Rafi consults on car restorations, performs vintage car inspections for collectors, advises on collection management, and offers assistance to clients buying or selling vintage cars. And for those of you who follow me, Rafi recently helped me sell my long held Porsche Turbo, the one I called past tense. That's weird to say that. Call my orange (laughs) crush. We'll learn more about all of this in just a minute, but first a word from our Valued sponsors, so give them a little love, and we'll be right back. Now, I hear some fiddle music in the background somewhere. (laughs) We'll be right back. (laughs) Covercraft's newest five-layer indoor cover is especially engineered for indoor use, providing maximum dust protection when your vehicle's stored in the garage. Your five-layer indoor cover is custom-tailored with Covercraft's attention to detail, form, and fit with the quality and attention to detail that's been their standard since 1965. Even if your vehicle is always inside, dust and fallout can damage the paint, and an extra layer of soft, breathable material protects from accidental bumps and rubs. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft, too. Every one of my vehicles is protected with a Covercraft cover custom-fit to fit the car like a glove. And I have a deal for you. If you use the code ya 21 at Covercraft.com, you'll get 10% off your order plus free shipping. That's right, 10% off and free shipping. Simply use the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. ZenGen, it's an oil analysis kit that allows you to sample your engine's oil and learn about its inner health with your personalized and detailed ZenGen report. At only $39.95 and free shipping both ways, your ZenGen oil analysis costs less than an oil change. It's really simple. Their easy-to-use sample kit takes less than five minutes to collect your sample and mail it back to their world-class labs. It's only five days, and they'll send you your own ZenGen score via email. Your report measures 30 different data points, including contamination, metals, lubricants, additives, and a whole lot more. Whether you're buying or selling a vehicle, nearing the end of your warranty Heading out on a road trip or caring for your vintage collector car, ZenGen helps prevent costly repairs, allowing you to get the most value out of your vehicle. And Father's Day is coming. I know Dad doesn't want another tie or a pair of socks. This year, give Dad his very own Zenjin oil test kit, and you'll make him smile. I did, and I'm so relieved to learn that my vehicles are doing just fine. Go to ZenGenScore.com and use the code carsya 20 and you'll get 20% off. Boom! What a deal. Preventative knowledge and maintenance could save you thousands, and you'll rest better at night knowing your engine's condition is just right. That's Zenjinscore.com, and use the code CARSYEAH20 today. I was tired of my rates for my collector car insurance going up every year for no explainable reason. So, Rafi, we are back, so I want to talk a little bit more about this career because... You got a really fascinating career. You're doing one of those jobs that every little kid dreams of designing cars. How many times did I get reprimanded in my classroom when I sit there and was drawing pictures of cars when I was supposed to be listening to the professor or the teacher speak? So let's talk about how you got into this career, some of the many things that you've worked on. And of course, during this talk today, we're going to talk about the selling of the Orange Crush and how beneficial it was for me to make the right move and hire you to help me go through this. Very emotional process, so take it away.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's been a really interesting uh, career. I've, I got started in it because I literally didn't know that it was a job. Uh, it was just a thing that I did all the time. I was always drawing. Uh, I was in love with cars. To me, they had everything visually that, that would excite me as a kid. So all the chrome and the bright finishes and, and all the details, the parts and pieces. And, you know, whether you were outside one or inside one, there was just something you could touch and feel and, and just sort of experience in a way that was unlike any other product. And as I got older, I was able to experience... The movement that a car offered the the experience of being behind the steering wheel and being able to adventure out into all sorts of different places uh, on a bicycle as a kid, you're limited as to how far you can go, but with a car, oh the whole world opened up so in that regard, uh, without knowing that it was going to be a profession, I just focused in on it being a passion, so I took my drawings uh, and just like you, I got. I got uh, told by teachers to stop drawing and, you know, <laughs> yeah. don't doodle in class. <laughs> You'll never amount to anything. And <laughs> yeah. I had no idea that it could be a, a career or a profession, which, as I said, uh, probably helped me because, I, I wasn't motivated by uh, the money that I would earn. I was more motivated by the fun that I could have, uh, the people that I would meet. Um, and ultimately, that's what's been the most exciting thing is whether I work on a project with Steve Moll or work on a uh, project with uh, uh, another team of designers building a custom car or even a scale model car. It's always been the excitement of working with really passionate people that, uh, that are in it because they enjoy it.
0: Have you always worked as a freelance-type creator, designer, or did you work for different companies or vehicle manufacturers when you got into this originally?
1: When I first started, I worked uh, as a freelance designer for about uh, three years, and uh, I worked with Toyota and Subaru and uh, Avcon Industries, who did uh, accessory components for uh, General Motors products. And I did some custom cars as well early on, but after about three years, I started working. I wanted to get some corporate experience, so I worked at uh, at Boeing for about five years in an advanced programs group where we designed future airplanes. Wow. Yeah, and... Uh, I recall even at the interview where uh, the person who interviewed me asked, you know, your portfolio has a lot of cars in it. Uh, do you have anything with wings? And I said, well, planes have wheels, so doesn't that count? <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> turn. Of nice funny. turn. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Creative. And again, after that, I worked in a number of different places, including working for the Franklin Mint. And they actually hired me specifically to work expanding their model car line of uh, product. and it was one of the best jobs, best jobs I'd ever had because instead of working on large cars which take you know two, three, sometimes four, or five years to develop, I was working on scale model cars that could be done within a matter of six months to to a year. and and there was a lot of creativity involved in taking a model from full size into scale and sort of understanding the, the, the nostalgia, the emotions, the experience of, of that car, not only for myself, but for a wide range of collectors. So that kind of opened my eyes to the broader collector market from an emotional perspective. And that was one of the best outcomes from working at the Franklin Mint is understanding the magic of scale.
0: Well, all of us, I, I don't know anybody who isn't into automobiles that doesn't have scale model cars sitting on a shelf or a desk somewhere. I still have probably way too many of them around. Yeah. And my poor sure. wife, as you know her, you've met her, <laughs> rolls her eyes at all. Oh, all Those are things that have to be dusted all the time. But uh, sure. yeah, I mean, we, we come up with these things that we want, but we can't afford. Let's say a Ferrari GTO. We can't all buy one of those. So you get a cool model right. of one and you can sit there and look at it and enjoy it.
1: Right, and it's also a really important feature of, uh, you know, for us to connect back to when we were kids, when when we were sort of lying down on the ground with our eye point really low and looking at that scale model car and rotating it in our hands, you know, it was a very tactile, emotional experience that I think is important to reconnect to as we get older. Um, that's one of the big reasons why I like scale model cars is uh, you can have that experience and it sort of reminds you what it's like uh, to be a kid again.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> we all want to be kids again. And what's neat about you, Rafi, is you figured out a way to not only focus on car and automotive design, but you've you've scaled your creativity into a lot of different things. Uh, you work with hot rod builders. You go out and you're uh, concord judge on the lawn, so you're giving advice that way. You help people who are trying to create collections and offer assistance to people who are buying and selling cars. Uh, what is that? tactile touching of cars done for you in relation to now you're getting involved with people and their cars and the relationship that goes on there, which can be very emotional.
1: Yeah. And and that's one of the things that I think has helped me is learning about the development of a car and understanding it historically. I think it's really given me a unique perspective with collectors because I tend to be a little more conversational about how they got connected to the automobile. So in, in many ways, when I work with collections, I work more with the collector than I do the collection. And I, I try to understand what their motivations are, try to help them instead of saying, well, what kind of cars do you think you'd like to get? Uh, we talk a little bit more about, you know, what they liked when they were a kid, what kind of music they enjoy, what their personal tastes are. I look at some of the things that they have in their home I try to understand a little bit more about how they want to feel about their collection because collecting is very much an emotional experience and automobiles are highly emotionalized.
0: Oh, yeah, just a little bit.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely.
0: (laughs) One of the things that I learned about you as we got involved in the recent sale of my car, and I didn't know that you were doing this, but a, a mutual friend had hired you to help him with his car, is that you will help people sell their cars in addition to finding cars and buying cars. And before we get into my experience with you, uh, one thing that you do is if I want to buy a car, you will go and look at a car for me or for anybody, evaluate that car, talk to the owner, and come back with some ideas, suggestions on whether it's the right thing for me uh, or whatever it might be. So what are if if I was going to hire you and say, hey, Rafi, I just sold a car. I've got a little money burning a hole in my pocket. I want to buy another car before that money gets snapped up by my wife to go redecorate the house or something like that. Is she listening? (laughs) She might be. And so what are some of the ways that you help and advise people when they're looking at either maybe just buying their first collector car or people that are expanding their collection and they have more than one?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. It often does depend. If they have experience in having owned a collector car in the past, uh, oftentimes it's a conversation about do they want to move uh, laterally Let's say if they owned a Mustang, for example, do they want to get another Mustang or do they want to go from a 66 Mustang to a 69 Mustang? Do they want to move up a little bit? Do you want to go from a Mustang and and look at a Boss 302 or a Shelby, for example? Also to look at what they want out of their use and their experience with the vehicle. If they had, for example, a 1956 Chrysler and they wanted something a little bit different, a little more modern, a little more contemporary, we could talk a little bit more about what a muscle car might offer or possibly what a newer vehicle might be because that's something that I found in my recent collection work is that a lot of collectors have 50s and 60s cars but they want to uh, also drive a 2011 uh, Mustang or they want a special uh, a special modern or contemporary car that they can use more regularly and a lot of that has to do with the fact that Modern collectible cars are really quite fantastic from a performance and design perspective, whereas back in the 80s and early 90s, uh, it was almost all entirely focused on 50s and 60s cars. So, a lot of those tastes have changed and a lot of how I guide collectors in shaping their collection has changed because of how great contemporary cars have become.
0: Well, also, the last couple of years, as you know, and most of us who follow cars, the collector car industry and market has exploded. Yes. And we've seen this. You and I have been around long enough to see these cycles. It's like the housing markets, the economy the stock market. Let's not talk about that right now, though. And other things (laughs) is things go up and down. They just always do. And the collector car market tends to do that. But the last two years I've seen and I've spoken to a lot lot of people on the show, a phenomenon that is just a spike that's just climbing and climbing. And in particular, eras of cars are really doing well. I wanted to get your opinion of why you think that's going on right now, the combination of things that are affecting those vehicles, particularly let's say the Japanese car market or cars from the 80s and 90s, whereas we see older cars might be doing something different. So, what's your interpretation? What is going on, and where's all this money coming from?
1: <laughs> well, the first thing is, uh, especially reflective of the past two years, is, and this is something I've said many times before. You, you just simply cannot catch COVID from a collector car, and <laughs> <laughs> and now you're the first guy funny, who said
0: that on this show, <laughs> but it's true.
1: Yeah. Well, it, it does. It sounds funny. You just cannot catch COVID from a collector car. And what that means is that during that period of time, collectors that lived at home, they stayed at home because everybody was supposed to stay at home and be safe. But the one place they could go and still move around was in their collector car. So they went to their garage, they tinkered safely inside their garage, they cleaned everything up, they put it all together, and they went for a ride. And if they had a spouse or kids or friends, they'd hop in the car and off they would go as long as they were in their safe community. You could go for a drive and you could turn around and come back home and nothing bad happened to you uh, because, well, there weren't a lot of people on the road, which was great. So a lot of people rediscovered the fun of driving their collector car out on roadways That were not congested. Mm. Of course, it didn't hurt as well that you could drive up to a gas station and buy a gallon (laughs) of gas for a dollar and 80 cents. Yeah, that was nice, wasn't it? (laughs) Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. So the whole emotionalized experience of having a car as your companion in a really dark time kind of solidified and people came home and went to their computer. And sat down and emailed their friends and started talking a little bit more about how great they had a good time in their car. And sure enough, they ended up on websites like bring a trailer. Mm -hmm. And that's when they started looking at cars and going, you know what? I want to get a second one. I want to get another one because these are a lot of fun. A lot of people looked at their bank accounts, looked at what was happening uh, in the world and wondered how much longer they were going to delay their fun. And they started clicking on purchases that were going to make them happy.
0: You gave a perspective that I've not heard, which is very interesting because most people go to the economics. Factor of that question versus the emotional side, but it makes all the sense in the world because these things are emotional buys. They're not necessary unless you're a collector uh, who buys and sells, and that's your income, and you have to buy and sell cars. But for most of us, these are toys. Uh, they're exactly. not needs; they're wants, right? So exactly, yeah, very
1: well and that's, said. That's the thing is that uh, you know if you look historically throughout periods of time where collectible items. Have gone up and gone down. There have been economic uh, cycles that overlap, but in this particular instance, I do think two things uh, factored in heavily. Number one is that, as I mentioned earlier, the COVID impact. But the other part of it is that people were deciding emotionally with their 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 family unit. Keep in mind these conversations happened with people who were spending a lot of time with each other. Yeah. And the conclusion you have to come to is, you know, when this is all over, I'm not going to put. XX off. I'm not going to delay that trip that I want to take. I'm not going to put off this anymore. And when you look in your garage and you see you've got a 65 Mustang that needs a little bit of work and you've got money in the bank, well, you just might go ahead and and pull the trigger and buy a, a, a 67 Shelby GT350 instead and sell the other Mustang. And I think a lot of that happened.
0: Absolutely. I would agree with you as well. We'll take a short break for our sponsors. As we come back. I want to share with you listeners my experience with Rafi and my first experience selling uh, a collector car online, bring a trailer, and uh, how Rafi helped me or held my hand, I should say, really get through this very emotional decision and process. So we'll be right back. I've teamed up with Auto Geek because Well, they've been the leading source of auto detailing products, accessories for more than 20 years. Their Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax is specially formulated from Brazilian carnauba wax. It's easy to apply on any paint surface and provides that warm glow that we love, especially me on my vehicles. You're going to love it too. A favorite of car shows countrywide, Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax from Auto Geek wipes on easily, requires no drying time, is easy to remove, and provides up to 90 days of protection. against damaging environmental contaminants. This wax is designed to exceed the standards of the most discriminating enthusiasts and collectors. Go to AutoGeek.net to get yours for the best product selection on the internet today, along with their very skilled technical support. AutoGeek.net. That's where I go for all my detailing needs. That's AutoGeek.net. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market Ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code cars, yeah when you subscribe and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. Did you know that less than 3% of all automotive technicians in the United States are women? You may not be surprised, but you should be concerned because our country is facing a massive technician shortage right now. Skilled, qualified techs are in high demand, and we need young women and men to consider these careers as a viable path to a fulfilling life. I've interviewed hundreds of women in the automotive sector here on Cars Yeah, and I know that women make great techs. That's why I support the nonprofit TechForce Foundation and its Women Techs Rock initiative to ensure women see themselves in the profession, the industry, and the workforce. Learn more at techforce.org today. So we're back. So let's talk about Orange Crush uh, now that it is no longer Uh, my vehicle, although it's still sitting in my garage and I keep saying, this is like the girlfriend you broke up with that won't leave the house. It's a little (laughs) bit unnerving, but, uh, the new caretaker is supposed to come and get it soon, but it actually were going to come and get it, but it was raining. So, uh, Like me, I I didn't typically take it out in the weather, so it's nice to know it's going to a good home. So a lot of things you did for me, and I wanted to share some of these with the listeners because I'd never done this online. So I found out that you sell and help people buy and sell cars on Bring a Trailer, and you take the seller through the process and understanding how this works, because if you Go to Bring a Trailer or any other site that does this. There's a method. There's a methodology to this. And if you haven't done it, you can make some big mistakes. So I'd love for you to walk through how you helped me, how you helped other people not make those mistakes when you go and sell a vehicle that you've had in my case almost 13 years that I was very attached to so kind of take us back through my exercise with you and I'll tell you one thing listeners this was the best money I've spent the best decision I've ever made I'm convinced rough helped avoid me from hitting some major potholes here uh, during the process so uh, tell us how you work with somebody
1: well thank you Mark I appreciate that. You know the first thing I do is I get an introduction to uh, to the person who has the vehicle. Uh we usually have a phone conversation, I get a general idea of uh, how long they've owned the car and I listen to them talk about it. If they use a lot of emotional words in their conversation about the vehicle, I know it's going to be an emotional conversation. So I try to be sensitive to that. And I listen with more of an emotional ear. I, they say, "You know, I had my fun with it. Uh, I did a lot of this with it. I took its shows. I won some awards. It's time to let it go." Um, then I take a little more practical approach to uh, to the vehicle itself. But in our initial meeting, one of the things I try to do is uh, again, I try to I try to look for the relationship between the owner and the car, and what kind of connection there is and how uh, I can then manage the feelings and sometimes the challenges associated with letting a car go. Uh, because these are emotional purchases, they're also emotional ownership experiences. So a lot of that translates through and part of managing that is to have the conversation with the owner about letting me be sort of the factual representative of the vehicle itself. The emotionalization This is one of the most difficult things when you sell your own car, you often want to reflect on your own personal stories. And those personal stories, while they might be interesting to pepper in now and then, they're oftentimes not the best things to share with someone who wants to make his or her own personal stories in the future. Like the uh, real estate agent that preps your house for sale, they tell you to remove all your family photos so that the people coming in can imagine their family there. Mm, So part of the preparation involves kind of slowly working with the owner to understand what they want out of the sale. Most people think that uh, they'd be happy to get a really good price for their car, but a big component of it is, is finding the right buyer. And one of the benefits of Bring a Trailer is you can set the expectation bar, so to speak, for the right buyer with your presentation. There's a certain level of photography quality, certain level of video quality, a level of communication in your comments, and your ability to, uh, to also present as much of the information as possible, but not overwhelm the buyer. So there's, there's a fair amount of balance in how you do that, uh, including taking a look at the car and discussing with the owner what types of things might still need to be done to the car, and what things could remain as they are when the car is photographed and put together for presentation. Absolutely. A big part of uh, listing a car is understanding uh, not just what the owner did from the history and looking at the documents, records, receipts, things like that, but the things that might still need to be done so that we can openly and honestly reflect on those things and explain to people as they're asking the questions. For example, I see that you had the engine rebuilt. How come the transmission wasn't rebuilt? Hmm. And the answer to that, well, might depend on why the owner chose not to rebuild the transmission and what uh, what his or her plans were for doing that down the road. And you simply uh, give full disclosure on some of those things. And the same thing is true with detailing. I tell people to get their car detailed so that it presents very nicely but not to refinish anything, especially if the car has an overall cohesive uh, visual uh, result because you want everything to look like it kind of blends together. If some parts and pieces in the engine compartment, for example, are freshly repainted but others are not, well, that doesn't look as good as everything having an overall cohesive visual appearance. So there's a certain amount of balance in putting together the presentation that uh, I try to achieve uh, with the owner and their comfort level with uh, spending on certain mechanical things that should be done, and then also prepping the car uh, for the right photography, the right setting. Being mindful of the lighting, uh, metallic cars will reflect differently from solid-colored cars. Bright-colored cars will have a different photographic imprint than darker-colored cars. So things like that uh, make a difference in the presentation.
0: You were very, very helpful on all of that with me, gave me lots of guidance, and I'll tell the listeners there was quite a time period from my first discussion with Rafi till the car was posted because... We had all these discussions and there were things that you thought I should do with the car, things you said don't do that with the car. Uh Rafi was a great guy to help me with people who could help me do these things to the car, the right kind of people, which were incredibly beneficial to me. And then, of course, uh, we had to deal with the weather up here because my car doesn't go out in bad weather. So dodging the raindrops, how many times did we have to <laughs> reschedule our photo shoot? Uh, so we shot yeah. Yeah, at the right time of day. but. All of these things are important. And the other thing that you did for me, Rafi, is you isolated me from the buyers. Because here's what I learned, is when you go and tell your friends you're going to sell a cart, they will tell you what you want to hear. They'll tell you where the price should be. They'll tell you all this great stuff. But typically, they will not tell you the dirty, honest truth about things that maybe aren't right or things you need to do. And one of the things that you are great with so that the emotion didn't come in. And it's like hiring a real estate agent. You they don't ever want you in the house when the prospective buyer comes in. Because you're gonna blow it. I guarantee it. You. Right. You're gonna it's not that you're gonna lie, it's just that you're gonna evoke too much emotion into it. And we all know who's been on bring a trailer. There's always the trollers and the commenters who say things that aren't so nice, maybe, or not true, and you wanna jump in and correct them. But Rafi, I'll tell you listeners, he said, Mark, Don't comment. Stay out of it. I will address everything. If I have a question for you, I'll reach out to you. We'll find an answer. And there were some occasions that that happened. And I'll tell you, that was a really, it was hard at first for me, but it was very comforting as we got into it because I knew just hands off, let the pro deal with it, right?
1: (laughs) Well, and and it is is a delicate balance, you know, to to offer fair representation. I do a, a tremendous amount of homework, which a lot of people don't know ahead of the option, so that my information does not have to delay. So if somebody asks a question about something, I can comment as quickly as possible as the seller. Um, so I, I tend to study not only the history of the car in general, but uh, the history of the brand, the history of uh, vehicles that led up to it, because a lot of conversations will, you know, people will ask questions, that there's just no way you could possibly be prepared for. Mm-hmm. But if you have enough of a, a network of information prepared ahead of time, you can go to the various uh, resources that you have and answer the questions. You know, I've, you know, some people ask questions like, it looks like there's nine bolts on the casting housing for the transmission guide. That doesn't seem right. I've only seen eight bolt castings. And you go, wait a minute, what are you talking about? And <laughs> yeah. you, you got to dive in, do your research. Oh, it's an early series casting. You can see the number is this one and those were changed at this sequence and and boy, there are people that know that type of detail down to the, you know, tiny little uh, increments. And uh, uh, that's the great thing about the Internet. You can find so much information uh, about a segmented series of cars that you can answer those questions or, and this is many instances, this has happened where I "I respond. That's a, a really, really good question. Perhaps some of the people out there uh, that are expertise or have an expertise in this car can answer that question because uh, I just don't know the answer. Right. And calling on the community, uh, the bringer trailer community is so robust. There are experts on there that are experts in uh, certain marks, experts in performance, uh, experts in uh, restoration, and and so that's that's one of the reasons, The comment section on bringer trailer is one of the reasons why it's such an active uh, opportunity uh, because you're not just selling the car. You're selling the feeling that many people like to talk about that car. And, you know, we go back to, to playing as a kid. If you're in a group of kids and having a great time, that's more fun than having a great time by yourself. Yeah. So that's that's, that's the car community thing. And that's what Bring a Trailer does so well is uh, whether you're buying or selling or just participating in the comments section, you feel like you're in the sandbox and having fun with a really good one group of people
0: (laughs) it's true and i love the fact that not only you kept everything and and i i am a very honest person and you emphasize we are going to tell the truth as best as we know it if we don't we'll say we don't know and handle it that way and bring a trailer approaches everything like that sometimes people complain that they're a little too uh, corrective on the litigious side let's say because of laws and things like that but i think that's the right way to do it and it protects everybody the buyer and the seller and for you listeners if you missed my talk with Randy Nonnenberg I had him on the show the day my car I guess the car went live on a Sunday but the very next day on a Monday and uh, we talked about the process as well and I really am confident that where you guided me which you said bring a trailer is the right venue for my car because it has some uniqueness about it and specialties about it uh, that that was the way to get the most eyeballs on that car and uh, boy, we certainly had a lot of comments and a lot of people bidding and um, I think it's great. So I'm, I'm really happy with the results.
1: Yeah. And I think at the close of the auction over 35,000 people, I think yeah, that's right? crazy. Yeah. I couldn't yeah, believe it. That's a lot of people to look at anything and they're not just looking at it briefly, like in a magazine, you know, years ago, they would spend, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars for, to get, three seconds of your eyeball on the magazine. And on Bring a Trailer, there's 35,000 people that are sitting there, hovered over their computer at least for 10 minutes, watching the last two minutes click and click and click. And it's both exciting and anticipatory, but uh, it also drives revenue through those eyeballs. So the cars are not only selling, but the arena around car sales is growing bigger and bigger. And that's, you know, another part of the conversation around what's happening in the car world, which we can talk more about. But I think that's the other aspect that's happening uh, in a global way. And that is that the market's getting larger. More people are becoming more interested in cars. And it's very important the volume of vehicles that are now considered collectible has more than doubled. And so, so the activity around collectible vehicles is now more widely spread out and more people can enjoy it
0: it's phenomenal the whole experience was really great i I advise anybody out there if you're looking to sell a car rafi's available of course we'll put his contact information there and there's other people that do this as well do your homework talk to people and i'll tell you that that week that my car was up um I didn't get a lot of real work done because my phone, my Facebook messaging, everything was exploding on me every day. Now maybe that's because I have a little more social exposure with through my podcast, but um, I couldn't believe how many people were reaching out to me. I mean, just a lot of people I had never communicated with. I didn't know they were followers of Cars, yeah, or they'd found it and so forth. Um, it was quite a phenomenal experience. I, I, it kind of blew me away a little bit.
1: Well, it it can't it can be overwhelming. I've worked with uh, some collectors. One person contacted me and said, "Can you sell my car?" And I said, "Absolutely." This was two years ago, and I sold the car, and the results were not only satisfying for him; it was very exciting. So he's asked me since to sell several others, and it's been very enjoyable to do that uh, because we have a nice rapport and we have a good system down, and I have. Several uh customers that come back to me after selling one car and and they either say well i've got another one i'd like to sell," or um, I got a buddy who contacted me and said, "Hey, I saw you sold your car. Uh, can you help me sell mine and uh yeah so i don't i don't do any advertising necessarily um, most of the work that I do comes through referrals uh and from people uh like you that contact me through mutual friends,
0: yeah, absolutely, and I definitely will refer you going forward, Rafi, because yeah, as I said, and I've told a lot of friends this, they said, well, Mark, you're a sales guy. Why didn't you sell the car yourself? Best money I spent during this whole process. Uh, and I did spend a fair amount doing different things with the car and so forth. But for Rafi, yeah. uh, you are you a great help. The, the other thing that I've has come from this is uh, enlarging my friendship circle. And I wanted you to share a story you shared with me about a car that you sold that you'd had for, I think you said over 30 years and ended up being Becoming very good friends with the buyer and expanded your world. Tell us about that car.
1: Yeah, so this was the car that I had bought. Uh, it was the first car I ever bought. I bought it when I was 11 years old. 11? <laughs> yeah, 11 years old. I found it in the L.A. Times classified section. I was living in Santa Monica, and uh, I I showed it to my father, and uh, I said, "Can we can we can we call on this? It looks exciting." And so we called and uh, we made arrangements to go out and see it. And we, we bought it. And I think I had maybe five or $600 in the bank at the time, you know, grandma money and paper route money and all that. And uh, dad matched uh, the other amount that I needed. It was, uh, I think, $1,500. And uh, it was a, a little 1953 Jauer race car. And it came with spare engines and it came with a, a trailer. And we drove up in a Volkswagen van and bought it and picked it up and brought it home. And I kept it for 37 years. Oh, my goodness. I restored it. Yeah. I restored it when I was uh, 19. Uh, And then uh, I had it professionally re-restored in the early, uh, the mid-90s. And then uh, I took it to Bevel Beach with my two daughters. And uh, I took it to uh, 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 Concorso Italiano and uh, various other shows. Had a blast with the car. Loved it. And came to the point where I had realized that this little car had done everything it could possibly uh, do for me, and it was time to let it go out and have fun with other people. So um, I sold it, and the gentleman that bought it, uh, you know, when I sent it off, delivered, uh, all said and done, uh, ended up becoming one of my best and closest friends, and is still uh, one of my closest friends today. We refer to each other as brothers. He lives in Greece, in Athens, Greece. Wow. And uh, I even flew out there with my family uh, some years ago. And I drove my Jower and he drove a Bandini that he has. And we both drove on the Aegean coast together. Oh, my God. Uh, just a, a, a dreamlike scenario that you would never conjure up from my ownership. If I'd held on to that car and kept it today, sure, I'd still be using it and driving it, enjoying it. But. Driving it on the Aegean coast <laughs> with uh, a friend of mine in a similar car and waving to people on the streets and and uh, pulling up to a little side of the road kiosk where we get a little hand sandwich and kids are gathering around and they're talking about the car and you know and then going to all, all sorts of different places and then buying other cars. I ended up buying cars from Alex, who was the buyer, and shipping them here to the United States. And I I still work with him. I'm I'm finishing up a car in a restoration right now uh, that uh, uh, he has uh, back in Greece. So you never know. That's one of the things I tell people. When we talk about selling the car, one of the things I'll say is, has this car done everything that it could possibly do for you <laughs> in your life and your experience?
0: Yep, I heard those words from you.
1: <laughs> yeah, and if you're, if you're done with it and if the car is done with you, then it's time to sell it. But if there's something else, if you want to take it to Pebble Beach or if you want to drive it on Carmel uh, in Carmel on a 17-mile drive, if you want to uh, take a 1,000-mile trip in it with, with your partner or your spouse, uh, if there's still things to do with that car, then hold on to it. You're not ready to sell it. Yeah. But if it's time for you to let it go and if you've done everything that it could do for you, then there's only one thing remaining for that car to do. And that's for it to give you as much possible money back so that you can go buy another one. Another one. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> yeah. Put the needle in again. Yeah. Is there a great yeah. book that you've read that you'd like to share with the listeners today?
1: Yeah. As a matter of fact, the the book that I'm reading now, I'm about uh, about uh, three quarters of the way through. Uh, it's... Uh, uh, it's a biography of Albert Einstein.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Yeah, it's a fantastic book. It's Walter Isaacson, a uh, great writer. But I've, I've always been kind of a, an amateur uh, physicist and sort of fascinated by time and space and, and the uh, the confluence of energy and how... Uh, how physics and math work in a unique sort of harmony. And so Einstein, of course, fascinating individual, but the book is so well-written and so well-documented, not just about what his theories and principles and uh, practices were about, but about the value of his imagination. The fact that he was just such an imaginative man and so focused not just on the science of things, but on the curiosity of why science was the way it was. And I, I always like that uh, about the message that Einstein offered that imagination is more important than knowledge and and that through our imagination, we gain knowledge. It's not through knowledge that we gain imagination. So that that kind of excitement, that kind of sort of passion for anything, whether it be the origin of the universe, the, the characteristics of the tail fin on a 57 Chevy, or, or the way jazz sounds, those kinds of things, those sort of uh, passions for life uh, I find that very fascinating. So I'm getting that, uh, you know, in this wonderful book about Albert Einstein.
0: Very nicely said. So before we let you go today, are there some parting words of wisdom and advice when it comes to these automobiles in our lives? And you shared one just then. If you've decided that you've done everything you want with the vehicle, and it's great advice, it's a very important way to think about Anything, really, a home, uh, something else you might have that's collectible that you might want to let go or you might give to somebody else. Um, that's one of the things I've been working on is downsizing my life and simplifying my life and giving things away to people who might enjoy them more and and letting them experience life with those things, whether children or your children or family members or whatever. But are, are there some words of inspiration you might share for our listeners when it comes to these these vehicles that we fall in love with?
1: Sure. Yeah, you know, the, it's a really, as, as we said earlier, automobiles, especially collector automobiles, they're, they're emotional purchases. And they're more than acquisition. They're, they're really, they're invitations. They're invitations for us to feel good about how we enjoy something. And with the automobile, because it takes us to lots of different places and returns us back home, that gains confidence, that gains trust, that gains value in the relationship. So that reciprocity, it's emotionally rewarding. So having that and having that as part of who you are uh, is a fantastic way to engage in the empathy with the object. But it's also a reminder that somewhere out there is another person waiting for that experience with whatever object you have. And your job is to let them have it next.
0: (laughs) There you go. Exactly what I've done. How can people learn more about you, Rafi?
1: Well, they can certainly contact me. It's very easy to uh, reach me. They can go to my website. It's uh, RafiM.com, R-A-F-F-I-M.com. And my phone number is there, my email. Uh, you can uh, reach me by email. And uh, as I say to my students and to other uh, friends in the collector car world, uh, I'm, I'm here and I'm available and I'm happy to help out in any way. <laughs> so feel free to contact me.
0: Absolutely. And again, I want to thank you for helping me through this process. It's been uh, as positive as it can be when you let uh, something that you've uh, experienced life with go and decide to move on to something different and new. And uh, you really, really made this a fun project and uh and a good experience and i'm happy to tell all you listeners and while the new owner is a, a somewhat of a private person orange crush is going to be living in a very very nice environment nicer than the garage it has now i'll tell you that much <laughs> in fact uh, uh i've been told i'll get some visitation rights and i will have a new friend now who's a collector and i'll get to go and visit so i'm very excited about that as well rafi Thank you for being so generous with your time. Thank you for sharing so much time with me and helping me through the process and teaching me so much about this process. I really appreciate it. Until you and I talk again or I have something ready to sell again, I'll see you down the road.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Mark. It's my pleasure uh, to talk with you as always. And I had a great time working together and I look forward to doing it again.
0: Absolutely. This was fun. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah!